section eleven of travels to oaxaca by nicholas joseph thierry de menonville an anonymous translation from the french this librivox recording is in the public domain the next day i left my host at four in the morning after paying him six reals with which he appeared satisfied he informed me that at san antonio two leagues further i should find horses and instructed me how to procure them i travelled along sprightly as the lark the morning cool and refreshing and the road good as on the preceding day before i arrived at san antonio i had to traverse the river tehuacan which at this spot is ninety yards broad its bed twelve yards deep it was now however nearly dry owing to the drainage of the sluices for watering the fields i conjectured from the enormous depth of the bed of this river through a space of five leagues from tehuacan that its swells must be frightful and attributed them to the torrents of the mountains of the northeast in which precipices are frequent whereas in those of the northwest there are none to be seen thus affording a conclusive proof that the heaviest rains throughout the gorge are brought by the winds from the west by then i reached san antonio it was six in the morning this is a vast pueblo of indians extending from one side of the river the space of a league to the first rise of hills which precede the mountains there is but little land in culture the objects attended to are pimento french beans etc the streets are large and covered with a mimosa exceedingly gummy and of which the bark of whatever age the tree is constantly of a bright green i forwarded some seeds of it to the king's garden i took my dinner at the house of the spaniard who keeps the shop at the same time the inn of the hamlet he was a good kind of man he sent for topas for me for horses there was but one mule to be had and while it was got ready i visited the church in the neighborhood it was adorned as much as possible after the spanish manner but before all the saints i noticed bouquets formed of lily flowers white and scarlet in very pleasing clusters i requested the vestry keeper in vain to furnish me with some of its bulbs he could not comprehend what i asked of him and i had no leisure to extend my researches the length of seeking for the roots of them what however afforded me the most delight because it depicted naturally the simple manners of the inhabitants was the sight of two candelabras of a singular description one on each side of the chief altar these were so many plantain trees which in the shade of the church had risen to the height of thirty feet and nearly touched the roof and why thought i should these simple these natural gifts of heaven seem a less suitable decoration to the temples of the eternal than those vases of gold and silver displayed with such ostentation on his altars must not the sight of these plantains so valuable in their productions to man impress more feelingly than those rich metals the benevolence and power of the creator of all 
on leaving the church i bestrode my mule which was an excellent one and five hours brought me to san sebastiano seven leagues from san antonio the hire was seven reals for the master and two for the topeth or guide who ran before me however great the heat i yet could not refrain from alighting three or four times to collect some pieces of talc so beautiful and so brilliant as at first to be mistaken for native silver or at least the most splendid mother of pearl the whole country was richly cultivated in corn the plants i saw as throughout the whole of the plain are very various the borders of streams yield a species of begonia with yellow flowers and leaves resembling those of the ash bearing a similitude to the begonia stands except in being merely a shrub where the other is a tree which rises to the height of from sixty to one hundred feet the hedges are covered with the passion flower the fruit of which small as cherries are of the same color finally in these trees which bearing plums of a yellow color and tolerably pleasant mimic in appearance so well the pear tree that one might with ease be deceived but above all are remarkable the erect cacti everywhere seen halfway up the hill of prodigious size and a great ornament to the landscape cacti of eight or ten different species their common height from thirty to forty feet on a trunk or stem rising from fifteen to sixteen feet and five or six in circumference from this trunk issue vertical branches which give origin to other similar the one supporting the other and dividing like the branches of a chandelier in such manner that the collective stock sometimes occupies a circular space in the air of from forty to fifty feet in diameter and represents a kind of chandelier of a sea-green color and of singular beauty all the branches as well as the main stem are furnished at about ten or fifteen thumbs breadth apart with a fascicle covering the space of an inch and comprising about eight or ten thorns stronger and thicker than the largest needles the fruit similar to that of the opuntia or prickly pear is like that defended externally with thorns in order to eat of it for its taste is pleasant it is necessary to wait till it opens and the pulp of a crimson color falls the indians then extract the pulp with a spoon fastened to a long pole if the birds should not be beforehand with them a vast number of birds build their nests among the branches after the manner of our magpies nothing is more dangerous than the fall of the leaves of these trees these leaves are beams twenty feet long by one broad covered with thorns and would infallibly kill the unfortunate traveller who should happen to be beneath them but as they never fall except on occasion of violent storms or when rotten it is easy to be prepared this singular tree is more common than any other in this gorge throughout a space of thirty leagues 
the pitaya one of the species of cactus is commonly of minor size its fruit is not covered with thorns but scales which are the leaves of the cup of the flower it is truly a delicious fruit and a vast variety of flavor it is acidulous and has a fragrant taste like raspberries which gives it a great superiority over the other species that have no poignancy within it is of a purple color without brown and its size is that of a small hen's egg in order to gather it the indians make use of a long pole to the end of which is fastened a basket of twisted branches of an oval shape open at the sides closed only at the bottom and the top covered with two crossbars they elevate the pole and entangle the fruit in the bars when the slightest motion disengages it from the tree it falls into the basket and is emptied into another this indeed is the only method that can be adopted to obtain the fruit for neither man nor beast can climb the tree throughout the whole country the indian lives on the fruit of this tree even the young branches when yet but half a foot long and while the thorns are yet soft are cooked he makes ragouts of the buds and of the flowers before they are open for the seeds which are black and covered with a hard skin he dries them lays them in store and pounds them to make him bread at oaxaca i saw in the market leaves of a kind of opuntia which long narrow and slender are boiled and eaten like asparagus with butter oil or lard thus the prudent and frugal inhabitant of these parts complying without murmur or difficulty with the laws of nature draws from the native productions his means of subsistence while the capricious european not satisfied with the precious boons of ceres and pomona or the animals which he has succeeded in naturalizing in the country is yet anxious at an enormous expense for those fruits and viands with which nature here refuses to pamper his insatiable and gluttonous appetite the pueblo of san sebastiano is pleasantly situate it is in particular thickly planted with trees and in the midst is a public square and a casa real for the first time i ventured to alight at this formidable hotel which had been represented to me in such an unfavorable light i called immediately for horses the alcalde who was an indian happened to be intoxicated the casero more sober showed me a schedule in the house on which the charge of travelling on every road was noted as established by royal authority it is commonly a shilling a league for each beast of burden to the topeth one two and sometimes three shillings are given the roads here are excellent and connect the neighboring cities and hamlets i met here neither with wine nor bread fortunately i had brought some bread with me from san antonio which i ate with some eggs but for drink i was fain to content myself with water in getting supplied with horses i had no such difficulty for the providers of them went to loggerheads for who should furnish me 
i now set out mounted on a most excellent horse on leaving this place the beautiful valley of tehuacan begins to become narrow and is no more than a league broad cultivation is also more spare the track of fertile land being of less extent little is seen but small hills of chalky soil huddled together clogging the gorge through which still runs the river of tehuacan receiving another stream about a league beyond its banks are mostly sowed with corn or maize as far as los Cues, after which its banks are barren declivities however before i reached this village i saw a sugar plantation the second only i had seen in culture in all my journey here are distinguished canes of monstrous size and height a mill of wretched structure molds a foot in height and loaves of coarse sugar just taken from the pans in fine a few negroes who appeared to work very leisurely sugar works must necessarily be very expensive in this country as for hard and laborious works negroes are indispensable and as the price of a negro here is from five to six hundred piastres indians who can be hired only for a month or forty days sufficient time for other objects of culture would not be adaptable to this as owing to the continual change they would not have time to learn their business and as moreover they could not very often be obtained at those moments when the sugar works most urgently require their assistance i arrived at los Cues about seven in the evening the necessity i was under of perpetually ascending and descending the hills i have mentioned rendered the way tedious and made rest desirable the village of los Cues, seated on a steep rock and covered with a mount which was represented to me to have been at some time a fortress belonging to the indians seemed a pass which might be with ease fortified all that would be requisite for this purpose would be to place a battery on the mount to command the river and road i ascended this mount to see if i could trace any vestige of a wall but the only thing i noticed was the remains of an indian dwelling on going to the casa real i overtook a spaniard of good appearance who was travelling with two horses after exchange of salutation he offered me some pitayas which i ate with much gratification we conversed together for some time he informed me that there were robbers towards atleta whither i was going but that some of them had been taken i learnt from him also that the topas were by birth the alguaciles of the villages and authorized to arrest all thieves but this however they rarely effected being great cowards except when backed by spaniards at los Cues, again i was obliged to have recourse to my stock of bread and to be satisfied with water there is not in the village a single inn or rather it contains nothing to be had except the fruit of certain trees with which it is shaded this shade combined with the cool of a rivulet which trickles through the town give it a pleasing appearance that without these recommendations it would fail to possess 
here also i was obliged to pass the night on a sofa of bamboos but notwithstanding the hardness of my palate my slumber was sound at three in the morning i awakened my topeth and set off for quiotepec after giving my horse a bundle of sacates green stuffs this caution often seemed to me necessary either on account of the avarice of the owners or the knavery of their servants on the road at the crest of a hill which commanded the highway we travelled i perceived some men who seemed as if concealing themselves behind bushes the relation i had of the existence of robbers in this part now occurred to me and i made preparation to defend myself with my knife the only weapon i had but on nearing the spot we saw the supposed thieves were only a poor indian and his son with poles and baskets gathering pitayas as we set off early we reached quiotepec by ten o'clock at three leagues of this side of it the gorge of tehuacan is but a hundred twaffs broad at the village itself it diminishes to the breadth of the rio grande the name of the river of tehuacan here which previously has received the contribution of the other at this place it has a rapid course over very bulky round pebbles which render it highly difficult for a horse to pass when there is any water in the river as the horse unable to fix his feet with any security risks being carried away with the current we were to the girths in water but arrived at the opposite bank without any accident quiotepec built on the back of the northeastern mountain is a pretty considerable hamlet surrounded by a number of cocoa trees cironelier sapotes etc a copious rivulet washes all its streets and diffuses a delightful cool to the mild and tranquil inhabitants for here as in every other part on my journey mildness and tranquillity are the characteristics of the indians generally they are stout and well made the women are tolerably fair and have pleasing nay mostly handsome features i did not see a single individual either distorted in person or marked with the smallpox they do not seem destitute of industry but they neither possess the liberty nor means of putting their talents to use still the spanish mob for persons of any knowledge are far from entertaining such an opinion imagine they possess wealth and conceal their treasures and in consequence of this rooted and popular belief they are subject to continual vexations notwithstanding the positive edicts in their favor issued by the sovereign but again how sillily stupid is the obstinate persistence of the people in maintaining so wild a fancy when a person has gold will he not purchase with it the first objects of necessity will he not seek for more to multiply his means of enjoyment and to possess some property which he may transmit to his children such is the constant bias of the human mind cupidity indeed may induce a miser who prefers to the pleasure of enjoying and diffusing the means of happiness the base and disgraceful employ of hoarding cupidity i say may induce such a being to hide his wealth 
and he may succeed in concealing it from every eye but to suppose a whole people would subject themselves to a thousand privations while in possession of treasures which would afford them every enjoyment that they should yet roll in wealth where not the slightest trace of it is visible and where so many watchful eyes interested in detecting such a fact have never been successful however well they might be disposed to deceive their cruel oppressors this is a charge against them which never can be admitted by what happened to me at Kiotepec, a judgment may be formed of the extreme poverty of the inhabitants of that pueblo on my arrival i asked for horses which were immediately brought but when about to pay in advance as is usual i found i had no silver upon this i presented a medio de oro but neither the master of the horses nor any one in the village could give me change for it much embarrassed i repaired to the alcalde a very civil indian as all are to whom the spaniards entrust this charge and entreated him to give me small coin for my gold which i showed him but he protested por dios por la madre de dios por todos los santos that he could not he even prostrated himself at my feet and implored me to believe him his astonishment and that exhibited by his whole family at the sight of the medio de oro convinced me still more than his words will spaniards presume to say all this was a farce for my part i cannot think so and i testified my opinion by raising the good indian from the ground i begged of him moreover seeing how impossible it was i could manage otherwise for want of money to order the topeth to conduct me to quicatlan where undoubtedly i should obtain change and would pay him he agreed in the reasonableness of my request and as the fundamental laws of the country expressly enjoin him to give all aid and protection to travellers he accompanied me to the casa real and in a dignified tone of which i did not imagine him capable ordered the topeth to proceed with me to quicatlan i departed therefore at eleven in the morning after taking some refreshments it was necessary in order to pass the mountain at the foot of which Kiotepec is situate to ascend by a path only two feet broad cut in the side of the rock let the reader figure to himself two hundred steps of this tremendous staircase from each of which a precipice was visible below six hundred yards deep in which with horrid crash rio grande forced its way and then conceived the dread which froze my faculties i trembled in every limb my head turned dizzy and i was obliged to alight and lead my horse behind me i held him by the bridle but without looking back and constantly ready in case of the least false step to leave my hold and let him drink alone of the water of that stream which would for him have been the river of oblivion oftentimes at a slippery spot there was merely the branch of a tree 
laid on insecure stones to hinder the passenger from rolling into this frightful abyss beyond it was requisite to make a turn in a very narrow passage where the body of a horse could only pass by twisting i know not how the poor animal contrived although one might freely venture a wager he had done so a hundred times by three o'clock i found myself on the crest of this mountain in spite of its elevation as nothing is great but by comparison it seemed but a hillock by side of those mountains i saw on my left we travelled on this crest the space of three hours i found here some new species of cactus with flat and rampant leaves and an aloe with crenellated leaves dentated at the edges with thorns the neighboring mountains however lofty presented to our observation several villages one of them termed san juan del rey but it was not the village of which name we sought i was now enabled to enjoy at leisure one of the most beautiful prospects in nature behind me still more distinctly visible the environs of tehuacan in front the two prominences of la corta a mountain six leagues from oaxaca rio grande ran on my right between frightful steeps finally on the left an immense country consisting of hills and gorges covered with wood extended between me and the mountains on which san juan del rey was situate and terminated with an insensible slope towards tehuacan i began to be fatigued and weary of so long a route when an opening showed me the end of my toils at least for this day this was quicatlan which we discovered two leagues before us in a tolerably handsome gorge we descended into it by a road somewhat less bad than that of the ascent but the aspect it presented was not less horrible it was a perpendicular chasm of eight hundred yards by a breadth of thrice that number seemingly occasioned by a mountain which had been swallowed up in this spot and the fragments and ruins of which strewed around quicatlan formed so many eminences combined with this scene of horror was yet somewhat pleasing on the salient stones of the scissure of the mountain uprose the cactus peruvianus which formed a very grateful decoration but how much was the pleasure of beholding quicatlan interrupted by the appearance of a garita which seemed to forbid my entrance how to pass without being stopped interrogated and delayed by these wretched guards these were the continually renascent subject of my fears to sleep on my horse to counterfeit sickness these were slender stratagems now worn threadbare and which i felt no inclination to repeat i chose a plan more simple founded on the little consideration these kind of people had inspired me with as despicable here as elsewhere on getting near them i descended my horse in a bold and determined manner and my gold cane hanging at my buttonhole and my diamond ring on my finger 
entered the garita without ceremony and pulling out some gold before the tobacco guards related to them the embarrassment i was under for want of change i mingled the statement with a thousand incidents relating to my dread of thieves and the unevenness of the road finishing with begging change for some medio de oros or doubloons such prattle no doubt made them so silent they never put a single question to me on the contrary i met with civility from them approaching even to meanness and they gave me change for as much as i wanted i then thanked and left them inviting the chief of the guard in a manner a superior accosts one beneath him to pay me a visit at the casa real end of section eleven